Hello everyone, welcome to the monologue. Before we get into the show, I want to have a moment of discussion. Somebody brought it to my attention that I appear like I have ADD on this show. I'm going to come out and just give you all a little bit of, of uh, information about myself. Yes, I've had ADD ever since I was a little child. Um, it was called Attention Deficit Disorder. Later, it's be called ADHD, which basically means Attention Deficit Hyper Disorder. Um, yes, I do get a little worked up. <laughs> um, don't know if anybody noticed that, but let's go ahead and get into the show. This is a Rumble special. I'm not going to be putting this on YouTube because it's going to cover a sensitive topic that YouTube is still very uptight about. Um, they apparently get their panties in the wad as soon as I say something, so I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to talk about what happened to me four years ago. Somebody reached out to me and, and told me that they had saw my videos over four years ago and kind of wanted to know what happened. Why was my video suddenly not there, despite being popular? So, I decided that I will try to reconstruct all the information that I had at the time because I really, when I got canned, most of my files were just went and I've scoured every computer drive I have, every thumb drive I have. I cannot find the original video. Otherwise, I would just upload that. It was over an hour long, had tons of information, um, a lot more than I'm going to give here. Um, but I'm going to explain to you what happened. Back in 2019, I was already up and running, had my own little show. It was on Rumble. It was on YouTube. And I was getting a little bit of ground on YouTube and a little bit on Rumble. I was on Twitter. I had a Facebook account. And I've been doing that for a little while. What happened when the COVID-19 started? I got curious as people were talking about the Hunan Seafood Market. This is a place where it sells seafood, obviously. But they were talking about somebody eating at a seafood market, which in the United States, we don't eat at seafood markets. We don't go, I don't go to the seafood market or the meat market and say, hey, I'm going to have me a burger. They don't do that in the same place. Now, maybe they do it in China. I don't know if that, maybe that's what they do. I don't know. But somebody talked about, um, it was somebody had bat soup or snake soup or dog soup during the Hunan seafood market, got sick, and then, of course, it all started from there. However... As time went on, information began to leak out on Weibo and a couple other Chinese apps that that was not the real story and that the West was being fooled. And so I got to getting curious. I wanted to know what was going on. Like everybody else, um, I was questioning the whole storyline and I was curious. And as I began to press toward getting an answer, I encountered resistance. I encountered resistance from YouTube, from Rumble, from some of my uh, college professors. They could help me get access to somebody's information. Um, and so I kept pushing. And I found what I thought was the smoking gun. I posited the idea, well, wait a minute. What if? And the what if question was simple. What if it wasn't the seafood market? What else could have been out around there or something else? Well, that's when I stumbled on Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, it started popping up a little bit. 
here and there, bits and pieces. So I started studying into it, and I found a researcher named Xi Zhengli. And she is the chief researcher at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I don't know if she's doing that now, but back then she was. And she had a group of individuals who was responsible for studying the SARS virus. Um, for most people who don't remember, the SARS broke out in, 20, uh, in 2002 to 2004. And during that two-year stint, it only affected, I believe, the actual, death, the actual number of people infected uh, came to like 8,000. It came to about 8,000, 8,100, something around there. And the total number of dead was 811 people died from SARS. 811. That was it. 10%. Okay? So it had a 10% lethality rate, which um, is interesting. So her job was to go and study SARS, and this is back in 2002. So her job was to go find it, find out where it comes from, and start figuring out a you know, how to prevent this from happening. Noble idea, noble deed, good idea. Now, here's what happened. She became part of the chief research program back in 2008. Her job and her team was to go find the, this uh, virus, and they did find it. Uh, they found it in uh, Yunnan province. I may be pronouncing that wrong. I, I screw up sometimes. But it basically in near the near the epic center of where it first started, which is in Guangdong, Fushan, um, and they found it there, and they found it residing in the nose or in the bats, horseshoe bats, particularly in a uh, uh, Yunnan. Um, and so she took the bats from there to Wuhan to study, you know. Like everybody should, if you're going to stop a, pla a future plague, you want to kind of know the enemy beforehand. And so, what ended up happening, from what I could gather, after she led the research team, there was a, uh, a fight from what, from what I could find. Well, let me just get into it. When 2019 happened, Hong Englin and Ang Yang the Secretary Director or the Director General of Wuhan, I get those backwards, I get them mixed up, so don't blame me. I'm going based on memory. Most of my files were gone. Um, had a fight in the in the laboratory. Something about not being able to meet a deadline or something. And it was an argument that ensued. And Hong England was splashed or... So at some point came in contact with what we now know is the coronavirus. But she went, got cleaned up, and then left. She was never seen from again. However, they said, well, wait a minute, that never happened. You know, look away from here, look away from here. That was what the Chinese said. You need to look at the Hunan seafood market. Okay, I did. Here's what I found. The first nine patients, the first nine, that were reported with coronavirus, which started around October, the first nine people had no connection whatsoever to the Hunan seafood market. They did, however, have connection to Hong Ye Lin and the Wuhan Institute of Virology and Technology. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so 
first of all, the first official story, this the first official story goes like this. The Hunan Seafood Market, somebody ate horseshoe bat soup and went and got everybody else sick. Okay, but how did the horseshoe bat get there? It flew there. It flew there? It flew there. Okay, so you mean to tell me a bat hitched a ride from Yunnan province in southeast China all the way, took a ride 900 kilometers and got dropped off at a seafood market in the middle of Wuhan? Mm, I'm more likely to buy it if it was Hong Kong or, you know, Fushan again. But no, it was in Wuhan. Okay, so completely different province. 900 kilometers away, and we're expected to believe that this bat either flew or hit the ride by itself to this place. Okay. Well, let's take a look at what surrounds the Hunan Seafood Market. The Hunan Seafood Market, and this is what I found, is about 900 feet from basically Union Medical. Now, Union Medical is a hospital where people go to get, where the, the sick go. It also has a CDC center there, a center of disease control center. Now, why is that a suspicion? Well, it positrates the idea of a laboratory leak. Okay, that's one theory. Here's another theory. What about a leak or a laboratory accident from the weapon, uh, from the bio uh, laboratories at Wuhan? Well, there's no, there's no bio, yes, there are. They were built by the French back in 2015, I want to say, maybe even before that. Bio Level 4 Lab, just one of only two in all of China, um, which is located at Wuhan. And I believe the number, the, even the number of the room was P6. I may be wrong on that number, but I'm pretty sure about the lab. Now, that's where Hong Yang Lin was working. That's where Ang Yang, who is no longer working for Wuhan. The last I heard, she was a promoted to the PLA as a major. I don't know about that. Um, but we do know that the laboratory leak holds more water than a person eating bat soup at a Hunan seafood market. So one of these is true, one of these is not true. The laboratory leak gives benefit of the doubt to the Chinese Communist Party. Hey, it happened. Shit happened, man. Okay. Start paying up. <laughs> the other is something that's a little bit more ominous, which is, a, is an intentional leak or an intentional infection. Now, here's why I say intentional. Because after this virus started showing up, you had the Chinese New Year. And instead of shutting down and saying, you know what, maybe we shouldn't let anybody fly out of this area, they allowed 5 million Chinese to immediately fly and guess where the target countries were? The United States of America and the European Union. Okay. And they're saying everything's fine. By, gen by I think it was March, everybody finally started catching on to the fact that they've been had. But by then, the damage was already done. Let's go back to Wuhan, then. Why is it so important? Why was why did I get canned for all intents and purposes when I was covering the story? 
because I penetrated not only the fight, but patient zero. The first nine people didn't have connection to the Hunan seafood market, but did have connection to Hong Yang Lin, which the CCP says is alive and well, yet she's never even come forward. Does she not pay attention to Weibo at all? Does she not get on we what the chat WeChat? Do you mean to tell me she's so isolated and just living happily? And uh, yet her parents, from what I understood on Weibo, could not find her. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to concentrate the same thing. That it was either a laboratory accident or intentional. Well, now, why did I say intentional? That's the big question. Because of a book that was published in 1999. The book is entitled uh, Unrestricted Warfare. Two Air Force senior colonels on scenarios for war and the operational art in the era of globalization. This was uh, Warfare Beyond Boundaries. Uh, it was a book on military strategy written by two colonels of the People's Liberation Army, Kuang Lang and Wang Si uh, Su. Or Xing Su. And I botched those names because I don't speak Chinese, okay? I do my best. But. They believe that you could destroy a country like, say, the United States or even the European Union if you just focused on certain um, things. For example, the means of production. Have you noticed that the United States doesn't really manufacture anything? Yet we, every clothes of our, our go to the store, go to Walmart, go to Target, go to... Kroger's, go to Albertsons, go to any of the big stores and take a look at what is produced and what it's, where it says it's manufactured. More often than not, you will find it says made in China. Now, at the time, from what I, at the time that it was translated from Chinese to English, which in 2015, that book dated 86% of all U.S. manufactured goods that's not produced in the United States is produced overseas. And of that, of that production, when you calculate it all, it's 86%. But when you break it down, you're going to buy, it says, well, this is made in Mexico. Oh, well, that's cool. Wait a minute. The resources, the raw materials were made in China? Okay. So, you got the raw material, let's say you got a Ford. Most Fords are not produced in the United States. They're actually produced overseas and they're brought here. Or at least the raw materials are brought here and then they reassemble it here in the United States. Almost all of that is produced in China. In the form of either raw materials or the material itself. So they control the means of production. Control the means of manufacturing is another focus. Okay, well, you have production, which is, where's all the rare earth metals going from? It's not coming from the United States. The rare earth metals that go in our tanks, our planes, our weapons system, they're not manufactured in the United States. They're manufactured overseas in China. China controls, I think it's, the last time I read, it was either 80 or 90% of all rare earth metals. Probably because it's so toxic to mine for that's number one, cobalt being one of them, um, lithium being another, and a couple others that I can think of, mercury. Um, 
are so damning to, damaging to the ecosystem that the United States doesn't even try to mine it. We have our own mines, but we won't, like arsenic. Um, so China is responsible for manufacturing the means of production. Now it controls the means of manufacturing. Well, where is our manufacturing? Well, most of it is overseas in China. The Apple iPad, y'all, every, everybody likes the phone you're probably watching this on, um, is produced in China. It's not produced in, in America. It's either Korea, Japan, or China. And even Japan and Korea are dependent on the importation of raw materials to produce those phones, like Motorola, Nikola, Nikola, I, I don't even know why it says Nikola, uh, I don't know, it, uh, N-O-V-I-A, I can't pronounce it right now, so, um, so they control the means of production, they control the means of, of manufacturing, the next one, the third strike, is to control the means of health care, this one should send a little bit, the alarm bells ringing, when you notice, first of all, uh, most people are not aware of this, but when Donald Trump declared the trade war, it's not really a trade war at all, but it was on steel and aluminum. That was the means of production strike. Why? Because the United States needs steel and aluminum. Otherwise, we can't produce our tanks and planes. Oh, well, where are they? Oh, well, they're getting produced in China. We're not producing here in the United States. Means of production. How about the means of manufacturing? Well, we don't produce anything here in the United States. We buy it from China. Or... Uh, India, or Mexico, or the Philippines, or Vietnam. Okay. Let's move on. So you got those two knocked out. Let's about, what about our uh, antibiotics? Anybody take a look at our antibiotics? Or our uh, Tylenol, or our ibuprofen, or... Uh, you just took a look at the model. Take a look at the, the corporations that are responsible for manufacturing that. And you will find the ingredient list comes from dun, 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 China. <coughs> when they looked into it, 92%, 92% of all health care stuff, drugs, you name it, comes from China. Doesn't come from the United States. Okay, then what the last, in what unrestricted warfare, there were four bullet points, and I've named three of them. Means of production, means of manufacturing, means of health. What's that last one? You want to know what it is? It's not shot across the bow. It's not lob a nuke. It's, oh, it's bio-warfare. But it doesn't say launch a missile and infect many people. No, this is what it says to do. It says make it look like an accident and infect your own people, and send your own people abroad as weapons. Then when that country, the target country can no longer throw out the medicine, they come running. First of all, you can sell it at a super high price at that point and make money, but also it brings them down because they no longer have the means of control over their own health care. It takes out the population. Now, that's why a lot of people, when they looked at COVID, were wondering if it was a bioweapon designed to take out the United States because of that book and how it happened. Well, that's still on the table as a possibility. Um, 
What, but once again, the reason it says make it look like an accident is so that it give plausible deniability that you had anything to do with it and this was all normal. So, when you, so when I positivated, I think I stepped on a lot of toes at this point. That's one of the reasons why I got canned. Because at the time, I also didn't really figure out who was funding all this. Until Rand Paul found out. Um, Anthony Fauci, do you know that it's a, a crime to lie to Congress? As one of my friends put it. <laughs> uh, Anthony Fauci was actually saying to Rand Paul that uh, they were not uh, doing gang of function research. Okay. She's, she's angry. Her focus, her whole career is making chimeric viruses. What that means is that you take a regular normal virus, let's say SARS, for the, the point the point in it, and you take the protein out of it, and you say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and cut this using CRISPRs. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's science speak. Look it up. C-R-I-P-E-S, I think is the, how it's terminology, or is it S-E? I can't remember. It's been a while since I studied my, my science. But you take that, you use CRISPRs, take it apart, you take another virus, oh, I don't know, HIV maybe, and you take just the part that deactivates the alarm bell when somebody gets it so that it can lay dormant, and you insert it into the SARS virus, and now you have a SARS virus that is more transmissible, easy to get infected to humans. Because believe it or not, the reason why SARS was not so was so non-infectious the first time around, back in 2002, is because the original SARS virus could only go after people with compromised immune system because the original SARS was not zootonic. It didn't jump very well from animal to humans. Now it jumps really well from animal to human to human to human. Um, so, and then as... A lot of people also are worried that, okay, we need to take, uh, and I'm going to go into the vaccine too in a minute here, but after that, remember, Xing Zhang Li's whole career is making chimeric viruses, which are viruses that are not original. Sometimes you want to deactivate the virus, like let's say uh, Y. pestis, okay? For those who don't know what that is, that's the Black Death. Let's say you want to make sure that you can study the effect without killing your subject. Okay, so you're going to alter the virus using CRISPR and some other viruses into it. You're going to gene alter it so that it doesn't contain the same amount of lethality. And maybe your symptoms only last 36 hours and then you're refined. And then after that, it dies off and then your chance of survival is basically the same. Um, you know, you don't really want that stuff leaking out of the lab. So they... So basically, when I did this story, I did not know Anthony Fauci had something to do with it. I did not know the National Institute of Health was financing Wuhan's gain-of-function research into SARS so that they could, quote-unquote, make a vaccine. Which brings me to another question, and this is probably what I got canned for. Like I said, it was, just, it was not only that. It was also questioning whether or not we needed um, the shots. 
okay? Most people don't know what Rizdemir is. Um, this is another thing I'm going to talk about. It's the vaccine. Rizdemir was being uh, a broad-spectrum antiviral medication, and it was being developed by the biopharmaceutical company called Galene Service uh, Sciences. Now, guess who the funder is? Bill Gates, the computer nerd turned medical expert. He's not even a medical expert. He's, but he was responsible for making this virus. And what struck me was when we first, everybody started hearing about these antiviruses or these vaccines, Rizomir was one of them pushed. Hydroxychloroquine, however, was immediately shunned. Why? Because of who's not financing. Who's, who's financing hydroxychloroquine which we, when it was used to treat malaria? Nobody. There was no money in it. But people on the other side, Big Pharma, Galene Sciences, being funded by Bill Gates, and, oh, so you can kind of already see Big Pharma playing in the game here trying to make money out of all of this. And along with uh, Bill Gates and a couple other big billionaires who were who were funding this, but the vaccines, the all of this, if you're into this, you go for it. You go get your shot. You you, you live your happy life, but don't go and hack everybody that doesn't want to get vaccinated. That's just stupid. I've already had um, COVID nineteen. I got it much younger and. Uh, I got the original strains. So, yay! Go for natural immunity. Now, um, they'll tell you things like, well, you, there's no such thing as natural immunity. Uh, whatever. Um, usually when you get sick with a virus, you know, polio or whatever, and your body fights it off and you succeed, then you have natural immunity. That's why when um, George Washington got smallpox as a kid, which defigured him, um, he was able to walk among all the people who had smallpox during the American Revolution and they never got sick. Now, I want to go back a little bit because I've kind of jumped forward too far. I went right to the vaccines instead of discussing the virus itself. When the virus was actually looked at and taken apart by some Indian researchers, they found that 96% of the genome matched that of SARS. But there was a 4% that was what they call disease X. They couldn't figure out what was disease X. What was that? Um, even she, um, Xi Jinping, who was eventually co-authored a paper, paper, labeled it disease X <coughs> because they didn't want to reveal what it was. The tiny, the Indian paper did publish it for a short time and it was immediately discredited. The person lost their job, trashed, whatever have you. But the Indian woman, who I believe was on the right track, and she just stepped on too many toes, um, said that it was the 4% protein that they couldn't figure out was from HIV, the human immunodeficiency virus. By combining them, now you have a virus that was easy to incubate, easy to infect the human, and easy for human-to-human -human transmission. I bet they weren't expecting that the lethality rate would be 0 .001% 0 .001 or something like that. It's very, very low. 
And usually you have to have a, um, a you already have to be predisposed to death when you get it to actually die from it. That's the other thing they don't tell you about. You know why Chinese are getting slammed? It isn't just the natural immunity gone. It's also the fact that they live in one of probably most toxic places on the planet in terms of lungs, you know. Now, they had a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of people pushed the, the, the laboratory accident, you know, the Hunan Seafood Market, People said the lab leak theory. People are starting to wake up to the potential lab leak hypothesis. Um, whether we'll actually ever get there, I don't know. Um, but if you looked at who, somebody once said, follow the money. If you ever want answers, follow the money. Well, when I followed the money now, I found a lot of high level, high government, high uh, important people financing Wuhan. From the NIHS to Anthony Fauci to Bill Gates to there were a couple others, and they were either financing the gang of function research and the, and the creation of the coronavirus, or they were financing the vaccine that everybody's now forced to take, Pfizer's vaccine, which Pfizer Pfizer actually came out and said, and I quote, and they even admitted it. They were thinking about mutating this COVID-19 virus in order to make more sales. You know, I remember back in the 50s, that, as if I lived in the 50s, that we had Operation Sea Spray, and we intentionally made people sick just to see what biowarfare would do. Pfizer, you're not trying to do that, are you? With something that has the potential to be lethal at 10% or even more so? Because SARS-CoV-1 has a lethality of 10%. MRSA, which is Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, COVID or COV, coronavirus, has a lethality of 35%. kind of hawking back to what Prince Charles once said about wanting to be a virus. He could wipe out 90% of the planet. Anyway, I'm trying to get off the, the uh, conspiracy train, but you can see how everything kind of lines up and I stepped on too many toes. That's why I lost my job uh, four years ago. Now I'm back up and running. I'm back up doing what I, what I think I should be doing, which is telling you the truth and as I see it, and helping people come to understand, not only do we live potentially in the end times, which I think we do, but also to tell you the truth and hope to create some positive influence and solutions. We have to have solutions to the problems we face. Now, one of the things they won't tell you is hydroxychloroquine does work on coronavirus, but it also works on malaria and a couple and rheumatic disease. So much so that Donald Trump, when he got sick with the coronavirus, went and got hydroxychloroquine. And yet everybody was, if the president of the United States at the time went and got something that everybody said was killing people, or was completely ineffective 
to beating coronavirus, which is what we were told, then why give it to the first pre the first the commander in chief of the country when he got COVID? Why did you give it to the commander in chief if it quote doesn't work? Talk about it. Talk about a runaround, a reach around. It wasn't working. Now, I got in trouble also for doing something else. As I talked about a little bit in my previous video on coronavirus and the rise of, um, there is evidence. It's in Taiwan and Singapore, and in uh, I think yeah, Singapore, um, they're using coconut oil as a way to treat. COVID-19. Why? Because of the medium chain triglycerides that are in COVID oil, particularly that of lyric acid, is the, the oil that is favored by SARS because SARS is a gram-positive virus. Um, and it's one of those viruses that if you have this in your system regularly, you're not going to get it or you may have no symptoms at all. That's kind of important because a lot of health nuts, whether people like it or not, say, did you notice that some people just didn't have symptoms? They were asymptomatic? Maybe because in their body or their body produced an unnaturally high level of lyric acid, whether most people realize it or not, the oil on your skin is very similar in terms of its uh, building block as lyric acid, which is antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial. It covers all four of the big ones. So if you have it regularly, you're probably not going to get all that sick. They used it in Singapore to treat people who had the severest COVID-19 symptoms and found that almost everybody recovered. Now, that could get you in trouble too because that's like saying hydroxychloroquine works. Hydroxychloroquine works. Co uh, coconut oil and MIT uh, M uh, and monolyric acid works. Don't say that. You better not say that. Mm -hmm. But they don't want you to know that. They why? Because you're not going to make the money. It all comes down to money, folks. And at the end of the day. To me, coronavirus has come and gone. Now I'm more worried about some other things that are on the horizon. <laughs> because whenever there's a plague, you have famine and warfare. In some form or fashion. Whenever you have them. They call it, they call it the, the, if you have, uh, they call it the four horsemen. Everybody remembers the four horsemen from the Bible. You had pestilence. You had famine. You had warfare, and then you had death, okay? Across the bridge, but that has been repeating throughout history in some form or fashion. Here's how you can know. Warfare, the first World War One, World War One brought about famine and brought about pestilence. We now know it as the Spanish influenza. World War Two, same story. There was starvation in the land. Most people don't know where that starvation happened. It's called the Holodomor in Ukraine under the guise of Russians who were starving the people to death in 1933, I believe. Or maybe it was 35. I have to go back and look it up. It's been a while since I bothered to study the Holodomor. 
which is hunger by starvation. I mean, murder by starvation. But I'm going to get, I'm going to wrap this up because, as I said, I think I've gone a little long. Normally, I like to try to keep these around 30 minutes because of what I'm covering. Um, but I want people to be aware of why I was canned. And obviously, I can't put this on YouTube because it gives potential cure and potential treatment, which is not a shot, which is not a vaccine, which I'm talking about COVID-19, which the World Health Organization says, shut up. Yeah. So yeah, now you guys have an idea of why I may have, may you may have seen a video of me four years ago and then suddenly can't find it anymore. Um, it was because I got canned. Um, but you now have a little a, a little bit of an overview. I would like to go into the hour plus long um, story of it, but you can probably find that now if you go to uh, I think I saw it in a magazine once called um, the Epoch Times. Um, they basically unveiled what I had already learned four months ago before they even put it out there about COVID. Um, now they positrate the laboratory leak and everything else, and um, which is far more likely to be the truth than a Hunan seafood market involving bat soup. But I don't really care anymore for the, this conspiracy or the theory or the hypothesis or whether it matters because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things now. We're past it, but now we have some other things on the horizon that should send everybody into a, like a, a flight panic. Um, but remember, when you're afraid and when you're panicking, you don't make wise decisions. You make some of the worst decisions of your life or even for your existence. Um, so try to, try, to, uh, try to navigate the future with open eyes, um, be alert, be aware, be calm because there are a lot of people who are going to lose their freaking minds in the next years or the next coming years. Because when you have a pandemic that shuts down the global economy, you're going to trigger famine and it will come naturally. And when famine comes, follows war. Um, just wanted to throw that out there, let people know that could potentially be it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and check off. I hope you guys have a good weekend. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of reading. I got some catching up to do. Um, you know, um, got some work to do around here where I am. I'm a farmer. I got, you know, it's never, it's never a dull day as a farmer's life. I guarantee you that. Anyway, uh, good evening, good night, and God bless.